Hi, this is Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Fonville. We're making our way through a study in Galatians 3 called Sons of Abraham. Today's lesson is called, What Do I Need to Be Saved From? The answer, well, we need to be saved from God, the perfectly righteous, holy God. It's not what we want to hear, but without Christ's forgiveness, we are lawbreakers and enemies of God. And John takes us through this gospel-filled message of hope. Here he is now with part two of What Do I Need to Be Saved From? Listen to Solomon in Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. Who can, who can say that? This is what Philip Ryken says. He says, the law is a matter of performance, but a performance that is beyond human possibility. You're not able Paul says you're not able. You cannot do this. The purpose of the law is not to make us good people so that God is in debt to us so that we are deserving of His blessing. The purpose of the law shows us that we are bad people who are in debt to God massively and only deserving of His cursing. And so what Paul is saying is that the law shows us that every faculty of our entire being, every faculty is radically depraved. That's what he says, for example, in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. Paul, again, in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18, goes back to the Old Testament And he quotes Old Testament's passage after Old Testament passage to to show you that every part of your being is completely and radically depraved. And so, for example, in verses 10 to 18 of Romans 3, he, he quotes about the throat, free speak, which is a reflection of the heart, because Jesus said what? Out of the abundance of the heart, what speaks? The mouth speaks. So if you want to know what is in a person's heart, it is revealed through their speech. That's why when Isaiah saw the holiness of God in Isaiah 6, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Why would he confess he's a man of unclean lips if he's a prophet speaking for God? Because he says, it is a window into my soul when I'm exposed before a perfectly holy, righteous God, and I'm unclean. And so Paul says, our throat, our tongues, our lips, our mouth, our feet, our eyes. He quotes all those body parts of Romans 3, 10 to 18. What he's saying is this, is that sin is all pervasive. Sin is comprehensive in scope. Every part of your entire being, material and immaterial, is radically fallen. Sin to human nature is what a drop of poison is like in a glass of water. It's not that the whole glass of water is poison, but rather that the whole glass of water has become poison by one drop. And it diffuses throughout that whole glass of water so that when you turn it up to drink, you think you're drinking water and you're drinking poisoned water. And so like a poison in a glass of water, Paul says that sin has diffused itself into every part 
of our being, our mind, our imagination, our emotions, our will, our bodies, everything. So this is Paul's first premise. Let me just sum it up like this. As a result of the radical depravity that Paul says we are guilty of, the Bible says that we are spiritually dead apart from justification. We are blind to the glory of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 4.4. We are unable and unwilling to do anything that is pleasing to God, Romans 8, 7 and 8. Why am I getting into this detail? Here's why. It is for that radically depraved nature that Paul is arguing from Galatians 3.10 this, is that you are incapable of perfect obedience to God's law, therefore you are cursed and you stand guilty. And that leads us to a second underlying premise, which is this. By quoting Deuteronomy 27.26, Paul is revealing that we are all lawbreakers. Man is a lawbreaker. Man is not only radically depraved and thus unable to recover himself, but he is a lawbreaker. That's what Paul is doing. The Bible, Paul says, does not depict us as law keepers, but rather lawbreakers. It does not depict us as promise keepers, but promise breakers. As you go through Galatians 3, as we go through this, you'll see there's one promise keeper. It is God. There is one law keeper. It is Jesus. And so the only perfect law keeper and promise keeper in Scripture is Christ. And so this brings up the question, what is sin? Paul is defining for you in this verse what sin is. What is sin? Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. John says that everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. The Westminster Shorter Catechism in question 14 takes 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, and it just says this, sin is any lack of conformity unto or violation of God's law. Sin is first and foremost, listen, a breaking of God's law, which renders you cursed and guilty. Listen to J. Gresham Machen in his book, The Christian View of Man. He's discussing human nature. How, how do we understand man? What, what makes up the nature of man? And listen to what he says. He says, the most elementary thing about sin is that it is that which is contrary to God's law. You cannot believe in the existence of sin unless you believe in the existence of the law of God. The idea of sin and the idea of law go together. That being so, I ask you just to run through the Bible in your mind and consider how very pervasive in the Bible is the Bible's teaching about the law of God. We have already observed how clear that teaching is in the account which the Bible gives in the first sin of man. God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree. 
That was God's law. It was a definite command. Man disobeyed that command. Man did not, man did what God told him not to do, and that was sin. But the law of God runs all through the Bible. It is not just found in this passage or that, but it is the background of everything that the Bible says regarding the relations between God and man. And so part of the purpose of the law is to show us that we are law breakers, not law keepers. Let me just give you a passing quick look through Scripture to, to let you see how pervasive the Bible announces us as lawbreakers. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 36. There is no one who does not sin. In other words, there's no one who keeps the law. Ecclesiastes 7.20 Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. There are no perfect people except Jesus. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. None is righteous. No, not one. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And so as a result of our law-breaking, in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, listen to Paul's conclusion. He says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. There is no, no spin zone in God's courtroom. For by works of the law, no human being, listen, will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Through the law comes knowledge of sin. So here is a very, very important question that you need to ask and to ask people that you run into. What do I need to be saved from? People say, are you saved? What do you mean? I have no clue what you're talking about. What do I need to be saved from? What does man need to be rescued from? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, this is what Paul says. Man, because he is unable, radically depraved, and a lawbreaker, needs to be saved from God. He must be saved from God. The lawgiver, the judge, the perfectly righteous, holy God. Because we are lawbreakers, we are guilty. And we stand condemned, cursed before God, who is the perfect judge. And because of our lawbreaking, listen, the Bible says we are enemies of God. 
James chapter 4, verse 4, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That is why Paul says in Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, that if you turn from the gospel, you're accursed. Just like Adam and Eve, the last thing that a lawbreaker, listen, wants to do is stand fully exposed, which was represented in their nakedness. The last thing that a lawbreaker wants to do, just like Adam and Eve, is stand fully exposed to God, who is the lawgiver and the just judge. And here is the glory of the gospel. The glory and the good, startling, amazing good news that you will never get over is that the gospel announces that the one from whom we need to be saved is the very one who saves us and justifies us. When you place your faith in Christ alone, Paul says, God justifies you. He declares you not guilty. He declares you a perfect law keeper. And you who were his enemy, you now have peace. You have peace. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are trusting in Christ alone, there is no war between you and God. There is no condemnation between you and God. There is no more curse of the law between you and God. You are not his enemy. You know what you are? His dearly loved, blessed, adopted son loves you. Such good news. Through faith alone, God covers us with Jesus' robes of righteousness, Isaiah says. And because Jesus is never again the target of God's wrath and curse because He did it on the cross, guess who is never again the target of God's wrath? Because you're wearing his robes. Never again. God's wrath is never again aimed at you. That is justification. And if I can't get you to see that and to sing in response to that, I just pray, Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see that and taste how good that is. That will drive your life like mad to obey. When you know that even when you blow it, there is no club coming down. There is only grace. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God, curse of the law. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, 
much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by, listen, His life. Jesus died for you. Jesus lived for you. And it is all imputed to you through faith alone. And Jesus' death on the cross saves you. And Jesus' life, perfect conformity to the law, His righteousness, that is what is given to you. And it saves you forever. And so it is only in the Gospel that God's blessing resides because listen to Isaiah 53, verse 8. He says, By oppression and judgment. Think of Galatians 3, verse 10. Cursed be all who don't keep the law. Think of Deuteronomy 27 and the whole proposition of the whole law. And think of this cross where Jesus was. And listen. By oppression and judgment... He was taken away. And as for His generation, who considered that He was cut off out of the land of the living? That is a way to say Jesus was cursed. And He was stricken for the transgression of My people. Do you know what a transgression is? It is simply law-breaking. It is violating the law. And Jesus was oppressed, judged, cut off, and cursed, and stricken for your lawbreaking. That's why there's no more curse. It is fully and completely exhausted. That is called propitiation. Jesus took the cup drink every last drop so that when you turn the cup up, nothing drips out. He exhausted God's wrath, the curse of the law on the cross. And so Paul says this. He says, he's arguing this, it is totally useless to seek God's favor and acceptance by law-keeping. Because you are completely incapable of keeping it perfectly. And second, you're a lawbreaker. And if you've broken it one time, that makes you imperfect forever. Because you're guilty of the whole thing. Now as we reflect on Paul's teaching about the law, these are the questions before us. Do you want to escape the curse of the law? Do you want to receive God's blessing and live? Do you want to have a blessed life? Listen to Paul. Paul says, the answer is not found in you following any set of principles. God's or man-made. To try and earn God's blessing and acceptance or to keep it. The answer is this. It is to trust in Christ. Because Paul says, if you seek God's favor, if you, ex- if you seek His acceptance, you seek His justification through your performance, you have a much too high view of yourself 
and your ability, and you have too low a view of God and His law. R.C. Sproul says this, when we consider even for a moment the frightening dimension of the unbridled outpouring of God's wrath, we tremble in our souls. When we consider that we deserve to be consumed by His fury and realize that His fury has instead consumed Jesus in our place. When we recognize the greatness of the peril, we then are able to see the greatness of the salvation that He has bestowed on us. If you cannot sit under the weight of God's law and come to understand you are not able to do anything to impress God by your acting ability, and that you are a complete guilty lawbreaker, you will never come to see the glory of the Gospel. You will never see that the Gospel is good news. And so the answer to a blessed life is found in trusting Jesus as He is freely by grace given to you in the Gospel. I'm going to close with um, these following words from John Cahoon. And he was a great Scottish preacher in the 17th century. And listen to what he says about the difference between a cursed life and a blessed life. Performance-driven life, gospel-driven life. He says, in its condemning power, the law is very different from the gospel. The law condemns and cannot justify a sinner. The gospel justifies and cannot condemn the sinner who believes in Jesus. In the law, God appears in terrible threatenings of eternal death. In the gospel, he manifests himself in gracious promises of life eternal. In the former, the law, he curses as on Mount Ebal. In the latter, the gospel, he blesses on Mount Gerizim. In the one, he speaks in thunder with terrible majesty. In the other, with soft whispers or a still small voice. By the trumpet of the law, he proclaims war with sinners. By the jubilee trumpet of the Gospel, He publishes peace. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. The law is a sound of terror to convinced sinners. The Gospel is a joyful sound. Good tidings of great joy. The former, the law, represents God as a God of wrath and vengeance. The latter as a God of love, grace, and mercy. The law presents Him to sinners as a consuming fire. The other exhibits the precious blood of the Lamb 
which quenches the fire of his righteous indignation so that it may not consume such sinners as believe. That presents to the view of the sinner a throne of judgment, the law. But the Gospel presents to the sinner a throne of grace. Every sentence of condemnation in Scripture belongs to the law. Every sentence of condemnation in Scripture belongs to the law. Every sentence of justification forms a part of the Gospel. The law condemns a sinner for his first offense, but the Gospel offers him the forgiveness of all his offenses. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called, What Do I Need to Be Saved From? Part 2. More from the series is coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at ParamountChurch.com. I'm Josh Montez. Thanks for listening and join us next time.